Well, Brondon, clearly one major talking point in the game. Everybody been asking for it. We've got VAR. And is there yet more drama to come here? I'm obviously really, really happy with VAR. Ask us to the VAR people, please. Don't ask to me. For me, it's very clear. VAR is for say, is good or is not good. The VAR brings the truth to the game and everybody accepts it. Welcome to the VAR booth podcast. I am your host, Coach H. And today's topic, we are talking about how to develop a soccer player in the college environment. I have two guests with me today. First guest uh, is Coach Aiden Reynolds. He coaches as an assistant at St. Norbert's in Wisconsin. Coach Aiden, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. <laughs> how are you? Uh, how are you hanging uh, hanging along with uh, with this pandemic that's going on? Uh, making it through. I know we got a Zoom meeting with the team coming up on Friday. Uh, some individual meetings coming up after that. Uh, but really, just trying to make do with what's going on. Yeah, I hear you. It's a little bit uh, difficult for all coaches. And then the other guest uh, today, we have Coach uh, Tom Moon from uh, Bennington uh, University. He's, a, he's an assistant over there uh, in D1 College, which is upstate New York. Coach Tom, how are you? Good, H. How are you? I'm well. How, uh, how are you holding up during this, uh, this difficult times? Uh, quarantine's been rough, but the first two weeks was hard. But now kind of trying to get my feet back under me a little bit. We've been speaking to the team through Zoom calls as well. And then I've kind of been trying to do some personal and professional development a little bit, whether it's watching old games or yeah. or taking courses online or can, talking to colleagues like you so yeah definitely yeah the the good the good part about this uh this quarantine is the fact that you, you get to reminisce on all the beautiful games that we have uh that actually has already happened and definitely. fifa fifa have uh all through fifa tv on youtube they're actually playing old games and the other day i actually watched for the first time ever because i've never done it i watched a full game of maradona which was Argentina versus Brazil in the World Cup 1990. Yep. Yep. And just to see how he played uh, during his time, which I've never seen him. You know, we've all seen like highlights of him doing individual stuff, but I've actually never seen him how he plays in the team, you know, with right. the rest of the team. And just watching him and how, how many times he actually loses the ball, it's, it was actually surprising. And, wa- and watching what he does without the ball and the areas exactly. that he moves. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but it's great. All right, so gentlemen, both of you have been coaching in the college environment for quite a while, for a couple of years. Um, so that's why I, f- I figured uh, you know it would be good for you guys to talk on this because you guys have vast experience with our topic today, which is how to develop uh, college players within uh, in the college environment. Which will will kind of lay out what the environment is first, and then we'll go into how you guys actually go about developing them and the different ideas that you guys have. And then uh, I ask you questions on how does it affect uh, things like recruiting um, and then like uh, sort of obviously the academic side of, of being a student athlete as well, so on and so forth, right? So let's just, uh, let's just go, um, uh, both of you guys, uh, your, your respective institutions work in, uh, I know say nobody's in Division Three of the NCAA and uh, Bemington is a Division One of the NCAA, but it's all under the NCAA uh, sort of uh, umbrella. Uh, let's just talk about what is the calendar and let's, let's figure out the differences between Division One and Division Three. So we'll, I'll start with you, Coach Tom. What is sort of like the general calendar that you guys have with, uh, with your players in terms of soccer 
at Bennington? Starting from, let's start from uh, sort of winter and then going to spring, summer, and then the fall. Yeah, so we have two seasons. We have our fall season, our championship season, and then we have our spring season. So um, preseason, the guys come in uh, beginning of August, and we have usually about a two-week preseason. Then the season, our championship season, runs from end of August until mid-November, late November, depending how far in the tournament you go. Um, and then once the semester ends, our winter break is completely off. So we can have no physical contact with the guys. We can still talk over the phone and through email, but no soccer related activities during winter break. And then once the spring semester starts back up in late January, um, we enter our out of season segment. It's our eight hours. So we're only allowed eight hours of contact with the guys. Um, four hours with a soccer ball, four hours without a soccer ball, so strength and conditioning. And that usually lasts about about a month until early, late February. Um, and then we go back into our 20 hours, our, our championship-type segment. Um, we're allowed 20, we- uh, 20 hours a week with the team, and that runs all the way until the end of spring so in our championship segment in the fall we play around 18 matches and then in our spring season we're only allowed five play dates where we can only play five days so so by five days meaning you can you can schedule as many games as you can within those five days or you can only schedule one one game but you have five days in order to do it no, there are five play dates spread out along the spring oh, the, semester. Oh, the whole spring. Oh, so you can yep. so you can literally play five matches. It, well, it's five days because we can play more than one match within that day. So oh, okay. so say so, yeah. So we can play two matches in one day, and that counts as a day. And now we're allowed five of those days. Oh, okay. Well, then is the whole periodization part of it. Um, <laughs> What about you, uh, Coach Aiden? How is it for the for the D3 institutions? Yeah, for the fall, it's not too much different. Uh, coming in the August, uh, play our regular season um, into November, get into playoffs into December if you're lucky. Um, then in winter, uh, time off through about March. So no no real contact with the guys. Uh, we might... Uh, you know, have a couple conversations with them. Other than that, though, the captains will run training or the captains will run exercises, um, but coaches can't be involved. Uh, then we come back in March, uh, March or April, depending on how the coach wants to do their spring season, and you only get uh, 15 training days. Um, so not, not too much, but uh, and only one play date. Uh, so you can schedule, you know, two games in one day if you wanted to, uh, but you only get one day to actually play a game. Okay, so off the back, we can o- or we can already see that the sort of the NCAA rules favors a little bit more the Division One players uh, than the, the Division Three. Do you think that that is that is fair um, for for players, Coach Aiden? Well, I mean, it's the two divisions are separate ideas. I mean, they both kind of have the idea of preparing players professionally, but also kind of focusing on the, the development of values and, um, you know, and kind of building the person up. Uh, so when you look at Division One, I, I think that it, they kind of look the professional side of it. Uh, Division Three kind of focuses more heavily on the student valuing the experience 
uh, and developing the the more leadership skills rather than the the soccer player skills. And that is why Division threes don't really give um, full uh, sports scholarships. Correct. Exactly. Ouch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Makes recruiting a lot of fun. <laughs> exactly. So, Coach Tom, do you guys, you know, going as you guys are obviously bringing in players and stuff like that, are you guys preparing these, these, uh, you know, 23, 22, 25 players for the professional game? Um, I mean, being in the NCAA, they're student athletes first. So, um, obviously, there's a lot that goes into being a student athlete uh, in regards to managing academics and athletics. It, it all depends on the individual, really. I mean, we have guys within the team that want to pursue being a professional soccer player. We have other guys that know that, hey, I, I don't know if I can make it as a professional. I'm, I want to pursue my, my business degree. I want to become uh, a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher. Or So each guy within the team kind of has their different goals, their different avenues. And that's what's great about coaching at this level is because you get 17, 18-year-old guys that are ready to start their life and you kind of help them down their down their own path. Yeah, develop into transition into that to that to that uh that chapter of their lives. Um is it is it and I'm asking you, Coach Tom, is it um detrimental to players who do have the pursuit of playing pro to be a student athlete? Yes and no. I mean, obviously, with being a student athlete, there comes a lot of distractions, um, and the the motivation is different. So, if I'm at school and and I want to be a professional soccer player, my drive is is soccer. So, I'm turning up the training. I'm spending extra time on the field. I'm spending extra time in the weight room and sports medicine. And you kind of forget, like, oh, I, I have to go to class. And then there's also um, Oh, I have work to do. I have a project. I have a test. But then there's also the college life that's a distraction as well. I mean, you get a bunch of kids that have so much free time. There's what are you going to do on the weekend? What if there's people going out on on weeknights? So it definitely becomes a distraction um, if if your goal is to play soccer at the next level. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Coach Aiden, what are, give me some sort of like some of the things that you like? I would say, what are the pros of of college soccer? other than the student part of it, other than the fact that these players do actually get to get an education while they're playing soccer. Uh, but we're strictly talking for uh, talking about just that the soccer part of, of these people's lives. What are the pros of the college environment? All right. So you're saying soccer specific uh, outside yeah. of academics. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can still talk about personal enhancement, like the stuff you're getting from playing soccer, whether it's, you know, accountability, or leadership skills. Um, obviously, that stuff goes on into to the rest of your life. But when we're talking about soccer specific, uh, developmentally preparing you for professional soccer, uh, it's it's a bit difficult because the the soccer season is currently only. I know we talked about it, uh, Tom. It's only like you know three months. Um, uh, you know, where you actually play in a regular competitive season. Um, I know D one gets a little bit more uh, leeway in the spring, but for D3, we're really only going for a few months. Um, and we look at a professional season, you know, it goes about nine, 10 months um, of the year. So I'm not sure it's pre- preparing them as well physically 
for what they might be getting into. Yeah. You realize that you, you, you actually didn't say any pro other than, other than the, the, I, the character, the character development <laughs> and the mental side of. Well, from, no, I mean, of, I didn't say the, athletically, I thought you were talking about going into, into professional soccer. Um, like I said, pros are definitely the, the personal enhancement. Um, like I said, accountability and time management. Um, but that stuff, you know, also carries on into if they wanted to go into business or if they wanted to go into the medical field. Right. Um, but right. if we're talking specifically like soccer, like the technical ability, tactical ability, um, for me, I, I don't believe it's, it's preparing them as well for the pro- professional side as well as, you know, guys that are leaving clubs to go play in Europe. Yeah, definitely. Coach Tom, would you agree with that? Yeah. The biggest thing that also the college environment gives you is the resources. I mean, if you look at college facilities, a, a lot of them are better than European clubs, top European clubs. And it's, it's right. the, the money that college soccer gener- or college athletics generates. A lot of our resources and facilities are, are very nice, and that can help you yeah. prepare you World for the cost. next level as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would say that uh, speaking to a couple of friends who have uh, started, uh, you know, clubs in the th- sort of like our third division now, which is like NISA and USL One, I say, well, why don't you just, you know, partner up with the with the institute, with university institution, because they already have all the facilities over there. Where those, especially Division One uh, universities, have, like you said, the best facilities in the world. Um, I actually, I actually believe that a lot of them could actually host an international tournament just because of their facilities. Um, now w- we all know that, uh, sort of like college soccer is a, is a, is a chapter in which, uh, any player that has, you know, that is raised up in the United States to go into the pros. Um, but the problem is obviously is college players don't play enough soccer. So, so uh, college players have to supplement, uh, during the winter and obviously during the summer playing PDL or, or any other, any other leagues that are not uh, sort of professional that will sort of rule their eligibility out. Um, just give us just a sort of like general, and I, both of you can answer this question. Just give us a sort of like a general um, calendar that you would want to tell an incoming freshman uh, that is coming into your institution about, uh, maintaining the level of uh, playing throughout the whole year, especially when you guys are off the the NCAA seasons. Uh, let's start with uh, Coach Aiden. Uh, yeah, so I mean, when they're coming in, um, I've seen the differences from when I was at D one to D three, um, Division one level. I felt like the guys came in. Um, I wouldn't say perfectly ready, but they were definitely, for the most part, fit and had been playing all summer. Um, you know, you could get right into training and there wouldn't be too many hiccups. Uh, whereas in division three guys come in a little less fit, uh, found it a little harder to find teams, um, during the summer. Uh, so that, that's always been a little bit difficult from the D three perspective going, moving forward. Um, it's, it's the same thing when we get into the winter and we don't have as much time with the guys, uh, as many hours with the guys to train. And, uh, you know, we get those 15 training days in the spring and you get to work on, you know, your, your tactical ideas, uh, moving forward, but then you hit the summer again and it's, it's difficult to find those guys competitive leagues to play in, uh, you know, where teams can show up with more than 12 or 13 players. 
And, uh, you know, that's, that's been one of the difficult parts with, with coaching D3 is when they come back in in the, in the fall, it's like you're starting all over again. Yeah. Is it, is it because are they, is it hard for them to find a place to play because of, uh, there's no, there's no avenues for them to play or is just because they perhaps are not at the level where they could, they could play on a good PDL team? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a part of both. So, uh, for example, I know when I was at North Central, we had plans to send guys out to different teams, um, like a club Aurora Borealis who plays at the amateur level, uh, but they end up folding. And, you know, there's another option of FC United's PDL team, but the guys weren't yeah. quite at that level to play there. Um, and then they just create a team uh, in Rockford, um, which will play in the Midwest Premier League. And that would be a, a very good yeah. fit for our, for our guys down at when I was at North Central. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's tough. It's difficult for them to kind of get into those com- that competitive level, but it seems like there's, there's different teams being created. That's providing them access during the summer to, to stay competitive. Yeah. And coach Tom, do you guys actively and consciously, you know, push players to join teams, uh, during the college off seasons? I, it depends on the coach. Um, so I know some coaches, are big advocates for summer teams, PDL, NPSL, stuff like that. I know other coaches don't really like it because so many players get burnt out over the summer that by the time the preseason starts in August, some players have injuries um, and and stuff like that. They aren't really ready for the fall season because they were busy all summer. I, I personally am an advocate for playing over the summer. I think it's important to go play against different players, play against different competition. Um, I know when I was a college soccer player and I went away in the summers to play PDL, those were some of the summers that I showed the most improvement. I grew the most because I'm playing against guys that are well older than me that played at a yeah. much higher level. When you, yeah. play in, when you play in your own college team, they're division one soccer players, but there's a lot of good soccer players that slip through the cracks that play at all different levels. So when you right. play over the summer, you get to play against NAIA kids. You get to play against good JUCO kids. You get to play against good D2 and D3 kids. So I think that's extremely important. Now it's all about just managing your, your well-being, managing your fitness and, and that, that sort of thing. Yeah. All right. So now, now we get to the sort of like the elephant in the room is – which is again we understand that college play college soccer is is traditionally the pathway into the pros uh but what's starting to happen is a lot of foreigners are making pro teams more than uh players that actually play in college uh, i believe the the percentage of players that are being drafted into the pro teams right now is below 4% i believe and that's uh sort of like exaggerating the fact um, uh, so let's, one, uh, why do you think, uh, coach Tom, that foreigners are, are making it into the MLS, uh, and the USL more than players that are actually coming from our own, uh, our own backyard? I mean, the simple answer is just because they're better. I mean, uh, for, for the college ranks, we're, we're trying to get after international kids more than ever. When you look at our all conference team in the America East, I think 75 to 80% of the players are international. They aren't American kids. They're international kids. So we're, we're trying to get after those international players as well. 
And it's, it's something that's falling short of the club system and, and the, the club training throughout the U.S. where our, our American players just aren't developing at the ability and rate that international players are. Now, we still have to make sure that we give American players the opportunities. So, like, we don't want to limit opportunities for American players within college, within professional ranks, because um, I, I don't think that helps anybody. I don't think that helps the U.S. I don't think that helps um, American kids, American clubs. But there, there definitely needs to be a, a better balance that needs to be figured out so that teams are still playing at a very high standard, but then you're also getting some more Americans to, to follow that path. Yeah. So, so basically, Coach Aiden, what he's, what he's saying is not only is it happening in the pros, it's happening in college as well. So if the players, American players, are not good enough to play within their own system, which is a college system, does that mean that the youth clubs are not doing the correct job? <laughs> Hit me with a hard question, man. I'm going to... Someone's going to come after me after this podcast. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's so it's, you could say the same at Division Three. We're also looking at internationals. Um, but it's for me, it's just it's a, it's a culture thing. So for most of those internationals, a lot of them, you know, playing competitive soccer, it's a, it's a higher end job as well. And for, for most, it's just the only way out. For some guys, it's the experience to come in the U.S. Um, and, you know, live the, the, uh, the American dream and, and play soccer. But when you look at a lot of college players, um, you know, during the, the club time when they're being developed, uh, a lot of them, you know, will, will point out to get to their top guys to college. And once those guys get to college, they, you know, they see the same percentage you're talking about. And, uh, you know, a lot of them will start working towards those career fields. I had a, I had a teammate slash uh, my old roommate and he got offered a professional contract play in the usl and he also got a, an offer from a pharmaceutical company and the, <laughs> i can tell you pharmaceuticals offer a lot more money than, than definitely uh, USL soccer. <laughs> so, USL, yeah. yeah so a lot of it's more it's culture and and the development uh you know mentally what do they want to go into um but from the club perspective it can most of it can come just down to coaches and the preparation of coaches um you know the the spread of coaches is there's so many different clubs, so many different leagues. Um, you know, how are we educating our coaches? And it's just, it's, it's difficult. I'd say it's a mix of at the club perspective. I wouldn't put it all on coaches or the organization. I would say a lot of it's with culture, but there could yeah, definitely, definitely be an enhancement of, of coaching yeah, education. Sure. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, I think it's wise to, to point out the fact that soccer is still a very young sports in a young sport in the in the United States, as opposed to, uh, you know, um, you know, American football, baseball, hockey, and uh, and basketball, um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the the culture of uh, of the sport within uh, within the country, but also it has everything to do with the fact that a lot of pros, um, you know, don't make enough money to completely live as comfortable as we see other players uh, around um, around the world. So do you believe, uh, Coach Tom, do you think that American kids are more, are, are more prone to choose a, a working environment, uh, whether it be a nine to five or uh, anything else, over maybe playing, playing in the USL or you know, being at the bottom end of an MLS team 
just because of the fact that they, their well-being, their livelihood would be much richer in, in a way? Yeah, I do. Um, I I know years ago that was definitely the case where there are some players that can come through and they did have the ability to play professionally, but because they had a better job, a better career, a more paying job that was waiting for them, they decided to take that avenue instead of playing professionally. Um, the guys that want to try and make it professionally, they'll go after it. But I, I also know of players that they, they got drafted. They didn't make their MLS roster, so they go down to the USL and they, they don't want to play in the USL because it's not worth it to them. If it's, yeah. it's either go big or go home. I want to play in the MLS or I, I don't want to play at all. So, um, yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, I'm definitely second that. All right, so now let's talk about, you know, we, we've kind of established the environment and the different things that the players have to sort of uh, process mentally. But now let's talk about how you guys actually go about developing the players um, uh, within within your roster. So let's start with spring. Uh, I'll start with you, Coach Aiden. You have 15 days, correct? 15 days to to train and then you have one practice day. What is what is sort of like the the general agenda for your your head coach, for yourself and the other the other coaches on the staff to do within these fifteen days? Well, yeah, I mean you're uh, you not graduated, but a lot of guys are uh, you know going to be seniors. You know their last season was the regular season in the fall, um, so you're kind of working with about twenty to twenty five guys, um, and that the core concept is kind of working on, you know, what tactical changes we might be making for the next season, new ideas, how we're going to, you know, shape up the lineup, get new guys, get new chances with the seniors being gone. Um, but we we're hoping that they already come in fit from the winter. They're doing their own workouts. So we don't focus too much on fitness um, or, you know, strength and conditioning, but there will be a little bit of it. But most of it's just, you know, what new tactical ideas do we have and who's willing to step up and, and, uh, you know, find, find new chemistry within the, the new starting 11. Okay. Coach Tom, is that the same thing for you guys? Well, in this, are you talking about the spring or the fall? In the spring. In the spring. So in the spring, because we have a more about, amount of time to, to be with the guys, it's all about individual development. So in the fall, because the season's so compact, it's all about getting results. So we're just trying to win games and recover for the next game. But in the spring, we actually get the time to kind of work with each individual player on their needs because what center backs need are a lot different from what a winger needs, what a uh, center mid needs, what a left back needs. So we kind of work with individuals as well as small groups positionally to try and get them better at different aspects of the game. Yeah, and, and, and you guys are not really focusing on, on, on uh, fitness as much as you would obviously going into the fall. Well, because the fall preseason is so short, we're kind of depending on them to do their work over the summer to come in with a good base fitness. Um, and then in the spring, we kind of get to work on that a little bit more through, for a longer period of time. So we kind of get to build that fitness up with them rather than kind of just hoping that they get fit. But spring's also time that we can try new things. We can try and implement a new system. We can try to implement different things. So it's it's a good time to grow and develop and to to try things. Yeah. So within within those uh sort of like the spring fifteen days, Coach Aiden, uh, do you are you guys training once once a day or what is sort of like the 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 the, the calendar um 
within those 15 days, do you try to double up sessions every single day? What do you guys do? Uh, typically, it'll look like three sessions a week for five weeks, um, trying to spread it out. Uh, like Coach Tom is saying is, uh, you know, the individual bit. So maybe two of those days we're doing, you know, trying new things and tactically. And then one of those days is a little bit more functional. Um, you know, like what he's talking about with uh, working on the defensive side or with the center backs, the center meds. Um, but typically it's going to be three sessions a week for five weeks. Do you, and, but you could double up if you, if you wanted to, correct? Double up on one day? What? Yes, double up sessions on one day. We could, but <laughs> I don't think anybody would be happy with that, especially the NCAA. It'd be tough to, uh, to train especially with the academics. Most kids, um, you know, they're in class until, let's say, 4 p.m. We train yeah. 6 to 8, something like that. So it'd be, it would be difficult. It'd be a little bit difficult. Because I'm, I'm just trying to, you know, sort of like people who don't know about the college system is those, those sort of 15 days that they give you is, is full it's full day, so you could do as many sessions as you wanted within a day. It would be difficult as well with facilities. Uh, you're sharing with, you know, women's soccer, baseball. lacrosse, uh, <laughs> yeah, baseball, gym class. <laughs> right. There's a, there's a yeah. lot going on. So uh, it would be, even if we had access to, to use that, I mean, for, for some, they don't even meet, reach the full 15 days. Some, some teams can only train 13 out of those 15 days due to facilities or lack thereof. Yeah, okay. Which is which is obviously tough. Now, uh, Coach Tom, how do you guys? Because I know, as a coach, um, teaching new uh, sort of tactical tactical ideas, depending on the new players that are coming in and stuff like that. Well, the the new recruits don't even coming in the spring; they only come in in the fall. But if you're teaching the 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 players that are on the roster already a new uh, sort of like tactical transitions and all of that stuff, how do you guys do it within? only 15 days like are they or do the players after spring understand exactly what's going to happen or do they need a little bit more time after that as well are you asking aiden or me i'm actually you on his situation on his 15 days or on on my situation on your on, on your situation sorry how many more days do you guys have we have months we have from yeah we have a lot of days we have from uh, beginning of March until uh, beginning of May. So we have about two months. Oh, wow. Yep. It's obviously more favorable for you guys. And obviously within that two months, it's, it's a little bit more easier. Yep. So we train every day. Um, we're only allowed four hours per day with the guys. So and that includes strength and conditioning. That includes training. So depending on how what we want to get accomplished this, that week. The guys are usually in the weight room three days a week for about an hour. Um, so that's one hour gone for those days. And then we usually do a team session that's about an hour and 30 minutes. And then depending again, like I said, on the week, um, sometimes we'll do some functional sessions with the guys, some individual sessions with the guys. But obviously we have a lot more time to implement a system and, and implement what we want to try and do that kind of leads us into the summer and into the next season. Uh, and, and is um with so many sort of like strength and condition, sort of strength, uh, conditioning days, I would assume like you talked about the individual, uh, sort of like development, you want guys to become a little bit, you know, a little bit stronger, a little bit faster during the spring season. Coach Tom. Yeah, definitely. So it's all about becoming a bigger, faster, stronger athlete. We do a lot of plyometrics. We do a lot of accelerating 
acceleration, deceleration. Um, we do a lot of power lifts. So we definitely try and, and a lot of it, a lot of the guys coming into college, some of them haven't even stepped in a weight room before. So this is a good time for them to show some growth within their body um, athletically. Yeah. So Coach Aiden, there's, there's, a, there's a notion out there that you cannot, you cannot say a soccer, you cannot use the word athlete in soccer. And that, that seems to be sort of like a, a, negative, uh, a negative word, uh, especially in American soccer, because of the fact that we have athletes as opposed to players. Um, and you're in, a, you're in a system where once you get into the fall, obviously you need to, you need to win games, but you only get, you only get you know, 15, 15 days in the spring plus one game, and then you get two weeks of preseason before your first game to make athletes, to turn athletes into soccer players. So how do you guys do that? I could write a book on it. Uh, but, but uh, yeah, I mean, your first, uh, we're talking about the fall season, correct? Yes. Well, spring going into the, uh, going into the fall. Yeah. Okay. So spring, that's, that's the thing. So spring is your, your, the reason uh, we have to focus so much on team cohesion and team tactics is because we have very limited time uh, getting into the fall. Uh, you know, we have to find that identity early. Uh, we get into the fall season, and uh, you might have your first game four days into preseason, your first preseason game anyways. And uh, that's where we can kind of work on what we want uh, as a team again. And then throughout the season, we can work on some more individual stuff. Uh, it's difficult because throughout the year, you're playing the same thing for division one. You're playing games in the weekend. You're playing games midweek. Uh, you add in recovery. You only get like one or two actual training days with the team uh, during the week. And a lot of the time it might have to be individual or guys will stay after uh, to work on something individually. Um, so from the, the development side, it's, uh, there's just not much time. Um, division three, over three months, like I said, you might have a couple good training sessions a week, uh, but a lot of it's recovery, and then you're playing your games. Yeah, let's uh, coach Tom. Let's talk about periodization really quickly. So, if you you're playing on a Wednesday and maybe a, a Saturday, just talk to us generally how you guys would sort of structure the week practice if you have a game on a Wednesday and a Saturday. So. You want to have kind of up and downs throughout the week intensity-wise. So say we play on Saturday. Um, on Sunday, we'll probably give the guys a day off. Um, they'll have to come in on their own to, to get treatment, whether it's in the Whirlpool, massage, ice and stem, whatever it is from the trainer. And then on Monday, we'll do a, a kind of a, a, a lighter session to kind of get their body moving again a little bit. Um, Tuesday will be a lighter session to prepare for the Wednesday's match. And then obviously the Wednesday's match is going to be very intense. So that's a high intensity day. Um, so you kind of take the Sunday to kind of recover from the Saturday match. And then Monday and Tuesday, you're kind of trying to work your way up to the intensity for the high intense day for Wednesday. And then Thursday is a, is a lighter recovery day. And then Friday, you're prepared for the match on Saturday, um, and not everybody's involved. So your your squad kind of starts to get separated a little bit from the playing group to the the non-playing group, and 
you'll see some guys flutter in, in and out in the team and out of the team. But, um, yeah, you, you just want to make sure that the guys are fresh for match days, really. Yeah. Coach Eddie, is that, is that the same for you guys as well, if you guys have double hitters every week? Yeah, I mean, we it's it's pretty much the same. We're working on, um, you know, that, that first day of, uh, if you're saying a game on Saturday, you're taking Sunday off to recover. Uh, Monday is still going to be a light work kind of day. It's just, it's, I mean, especially at the division three level, we don't have the same type of recovery facilities um, or the use of um, uh, athletic trainers always being there for us. They're kind of spread out through different teams. Um, So your, your recovery kind of turns into one to two days, maybe light work. And then your Tuesday can be a little bit more tactical, more activation for the Wednesday game. Um, you, know, you can work on your sub principles, but it's it's tough to kind of work on that main principles or try to uh, create an atmosphere for training to get them ready for the for the opposition. Um, yeah. You don't see much um, uh, variety of how you want to play. Most of it's just going to be, yeah, this is our style of play. This is how we train it, uh, and then you'll give a couple quick notes about the team you're playing. But then you're playing Wednesday again, and then Thursday recovery, Friday it's light work again a little bit of tactical and then it's Saturday you're playing again. So which, which, which sounds like to me, gentlemen, is that most of the, most of the work you're doing as a coach in the fall is tactical applications. Um, because you don't really have time for, uh, to spend on certain individuals and helping them to actually develop within the season. Would I be correct in saying that coach Tom? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, as, as a coach, we do a lot of scouting. We do a lot of game preparation. So I'm watching opponents' games um, as well as – so we have, we have three coaches in the coaching staff. We have the head coach that kind of takes charge of the team training. Um, my responsibilities are team training as well as opponent scouting. And then our other coach is mainly in charge of the goalkeepers and, and travel and, and a lot of the logistical stuff. So um, – but yeah, so I have to make sure that the team is prepared for matches, that the head coach has prepared the team to, to do what we're going to try and do in the game. And then I'm making sure that our team's prepared for what the opponent's going to try and do to the game. So it's, it's, a, it's a lot of information in a short period of time that the guys have to try and deal with. So it, it's a challenge. It's a very big challenge. Yeah, that's why some college coaches or other borderline geniuses or are probably the best recruiters we've ever seen in, in, in our lifetime. Now, Coach, Coach Aiden, how much, because of the fact that we understand that there is no, there's not a lot of room for development, especially in the D3, in the D3 calendars, how much of your job uh, depends on how you recruit? Uh, all of it. <laughs> it's... Uh... You know, I would say my main priority as an assistant is is still working on the the full student athlete perspective. So I still make sure they're academically doing well. Um, I have to just make sure they're staying out of trouble. Make sure that they're kind of following all the ideals of the program, um, sticking to school, and all that. Um, the next part's the the athlete part, um, and kind of focusing on maybe staying with them after training. If we train for an hour and a half, sticking with a couple guys for another. 15 minutes. Um, but then you got to fit in the recruiting part. Um, so you have to limit your high school recruiting during the fall, uh, to stay at the training with guys, um, 
or to do your own practices. And then for us in the spring, it's it's mayhem. I mean, you're seeing as many games as you can every day, every weekend. Um, you know, recruiting trips turn into half vacations when you get to bring your wife or girlfriend. <laughs> and you spend, you know, all 7, 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. recruiting. And then you maybe get an hour to go to dinner with your wife or something. But uh, recruiting is, is the, the main aspect. You're just always trying to find better players. Um, you know, it's, it's always good to have a couple guys that, that can be projects that you can see their potential, but you want to bring in guys that can be ready right away. Um, and that's going to come down to how, how well you're recruiting. Yeah. Um, Coach Tom, I'm glad that Coach Aiden was talking about guys that are, are already ready in order to play at that level. Um, how do you guys recruit? Are you recruiting um, players that are already made or players that you know in you know, in the next, you know, two years. So by the time they get into, you know, being a junior or senior, will come to that level that you guys expect them to be. Um, for us, we're always trying to out-recruit the freshman class. So the group that we bring in, the next year's class, we're trying to bring in a group that's better than that group. And that's how you can always keep the team on edge. That's how you can always keep the team moving forward. Now, obviously, um, Athletic aid comes into play where it depends on how much money you have opened up in that class. And, and sometimes you, you, you don't know how a player is going to end up. You can think, oh, this player is going to come in and he's going to start right away and it'll be great for us. But sometimes guys need a little bit of extra time to adapt because it's, it's very different. The game's a lot faster. It's more physical. Um, you're playing against guys that are, are older than you, four or five years older than you. So it's, it's a different game for sure. And you don't really know how that kid's going to do when he comes in. But we're always going to try and find guys that can come in and make an immediate impact in the team. Yeah, definitely. All right, so let's, let's talk about different techniques that you guys use. So we've already established that it, it's extremely difficult to, to develop players uh, within the college environment. But you do, you do still have uh, you know, somewhat of spring and you, you get a, a fall and you get four years of that. So in terms of just growth uh, of, of individuals and obviously the overall team without thinking about the fact that you're bringing better players, we understand that the, obviously the more they play, the more they will, they, there's, a, there's sort of like a, a, an attribute of development over there. But Coach Aiden, are you guys doing anything specific uh, within training um, or how do you guys host your training sessions in a way where players are able to encode uh, maximum information as possible and also at the same time um, be able to develop their bodies to the point where they can actually play and then, you know, they not necessarily not overdoing it with killing the, the, the physical attributes. Yeah, I mean, it's always going to be working subconsciously. So if we want to, um, you know, play a pressing style going into the weekend, we don't, we can give the guys a little bit of information at the beginning of the week towards the end of the week before the game. Uh, but most of the exercises in training are going to be pressing, pressing type exercises. Um, so it, it becomes uh, the work they're doing just becomes a routine and you hope that it just prepares them for the weekend. Um, and it's the same thing with any other, um, you know, if we're trying to play out of a press, for example, a lot of, you know, even the, the passing pattern warm up is going to be something that's quick uh, tries to speed the play up, uh, technical one or two touch, same thing playing possession games as we continue on through training. 
Um, so a lot of it's just subconsciously trying to build a routine throughout the week and put in information that way without talking to them every day. Um, you know, doing meetings every day, it's just not necessary. Yeah. Coach Tom, you know, you said that most of the work that you do, especially in the fall is, is, it's a lot of tactical applications. Um, but is there anything that you guys are doing specifically in, uh, how do you guys run your sessions so that you understand, so that you know that these players are, are somewhat need to get better as you guys are going by? So what we're able to provide at this level is, is immediate feedback now because of the technology and everything that is going on within the modern game. Um, we're able to provide immediate feedback to the players. So all of our guys are in GPS units. All of our guys are in heart rate monitors. So we're, we're monitoring their, their workloads um, each session, each game. We can see how fast they run, where they run, um, how far they run. Um, we have a video software called Speedio that can tell um, the distance between players. You can zoom in, you can zoom out, you can see all 22 players on the pitch. So the feedback that we're able to provide is immense. Um, we, we do a lot with video feedback. So we'll bring guys in, we'll talk about what they're thinking about in certain moments, what positions they're trying to get in to find the ball. Um, is there enough depth between players? Is there enough width within the team? That sort of thing. Um, the hiccup that we kind of have is, is the application of it now. So the guys come in and they can watch the video and they can tell us all the right answers. Um, but now it's when we get onto the pitch, are you able to apply what we went over in the video and can you now perform it in the game? Right. Um, so, so that's uh, a different obstacle that we have. And that just kind of depends on the soccer IQ and intelligence of the player the and, and, yeah. yep, and constant reminders. Us as a staff, um, we have to make sure that we have challenging sessions for the players. So. Um, we're, we're causing them to overload their minds and all, overload their, their physical abilities. Um, we, we place a demand on the guys as well. We make sure we place a demand on the guys um, that we're encouraging them, holding them accountable. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a, it seems like as if a lot of your development is actually off the field because of the fact that you don't have a lot of time on, on the field. So. As, as the more technology that you can get, the more information that you can get and feed into the minds of these players and then in hope, wait, uh, hope that they can self-motivate themselves to take that information and improve themselves is the best way to develop uh, college players, Coach Tommy. Am, am I correct in saying that? It's just a part of it. I mean, it's, it's, I'm not saying it's the, the best way to do it, but it's just another part to help their mind trying to think quicker in the field. Because again, when you come into a, a college team and you're a 17, 18 year old kid, the pace of the game is very fast. So how can you start to train your mind and start to think faster on the pitch and start to see two, three moves ahead rather than just reacting to what's happening. And I right. think that's where the video comes into play. Definitely. Uh, Coach Aiden, do you think the NCAA helps soccer or does not help soccer? I think that the NCAA has a different um, view of what college soccer is. Um, I, think, I think what they would rather have it be is a sort of hobby that you do while you study. Um, 
you know, simple. It's just like a European system. You know, most of the guys that are playing college soccer there, you know, those, those aren't guys that are going to play pro. Those are guys that just, you know, I want to go play with the school team while I'm, while I'm studying. Um, so my, my view is that, that the NCAA, um, you know, it does its best for its student athletes. It does its best for its coaches and its ADs uh, when it comes to soccer, but they're still going to put the value and the experience over professional development. And they're going to kind of see it as, well, we're just trying to turn these kids into, you know, role models or good citizens, um, leaders, uh, not necessarily professional soccer players. Yeah. Coach Tom, do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, I think Aiden's spot on. Um, but I, I think the NCAA has the potential to, to be something great. I, I, I love both aspects. I love that we get to play meaningful games in the fall, and I love that we get to spend time with the guys in the spring to help them become better. But I think there's more to it um, than, than what we're offering right now. But I think Aiden was pretty much spot on with what he said. What would you, what, let's, let's just go through an, a couple of things that perhaps maybe you would, you would like the NCAA, well, what the NCAA could do in order uh, to provide a better soccer experience uh, for, for those athletes. What do you think are some things that the NCAA could implement uh, that can help um, the experience of soccer just within college and also just the overall aspect in creating better soccer players in the United States? I, I, I honestly think the next step is the 21st century model. So yeah. and it's, it's too bad with everything that's going on right now that there's bigger issues in the world. But this April, there was supposed to be the vote on the 21st century model. And I think that would have been a massive step in the right direction for U.S. soccer if we could have pulled that off. Because just, it, just, it, just explain it, to the listeners what, what that 21st century model is. So the 21st century model is moving. So right now the soccer calendar is the shortest season of all NCAA sports. And we're only, it's only a three month season. The 21st century model would have moved the season to a 10, a, a, a two semester season where we would play nine to 10 to 11 games in the fall. We would take a break in the winter semester, just like we currently do. And then in the spring, we would play. 9 to 11 meaningful matches and our change our championship would now be in May instead of being in December. Right. Um and it just helps the holistic student athlete. I mean, it gives guys more time off, less missed classes, more time to recover. Um and we aren't we aren't adding any more demand on the players. We're actually giving them less demand. Now obviously it sounds like more. It sounds like oh my gosh, more activity, more months played, more games. But in in retrospect, it's actually less. We're giving the players less. It's just long, longed out. And it's we're already doing it. I mean, in the spring, we're already training every single day. Um, so why not throw some meaningful matches in on the weekends? So now we're trying to accomplish and achieve something, you know? Yeah. And uh, Coach Aiden, we've already seen the disparities between, you know, the, the different divisions in the NCAA. Um, and one of the things about the 21st century model was the fact that the, it was only sort of like what they wanted to vote to implement in the di- in the division one, uh, but not really division two and division three. Would you like to see exactly the same thing in all divisions, including the NII? Oh yeah, I I love it. Um, I think that would be the the big step for NCA. I agree with Tom. Uh, working towards uh, doing the right thing for the student athletes. Um, I mean, even in the the stuff that was cited. 
uh, during those initial meetings. Like they're talking about how uh, the injury rate right now is like a 24.6 per thousand hours. Um, whereas guys that are only playing once a week would be 4.1. Um, right. And I know they were talking about uh, the GPAs, like men's soccer GPAs. They're like ranked like third, um, third coming in and they end up dropping to like fifth because of their shortened season. So There's just a lot of stress and a lot of stuff going on during the fall. And it, it's, it's actually harder to keep up academically. So if they spread it out, you take away those midweek games, kids can, are not missing class on Wednesday anymore or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, they're able to keep up with their studies. I know for, for me, it was difficult just going to school at, at DePaul and we'd have a game on Wednesday. You fly out Tuesday night and you fly back, you know, Wednesday or Thursday at 3 a.m. And you got a test to take at 8 a.m. <laughs> and then, you, you know, your whole future gets uh, thrown into a different, a different route because of those midweek games. So I think if the NCAA wants to do right by just the student part of it, then why not erase those midweek games? Why not? take away a little bit from the, from the student athlete and, and give them a full year schedule and let them, let them have a better experience as students. Yeah. And then obviously we know that, you know, here in the United States, we have a draft system where, uh, you know, college players uh, get drafted into, into the pros. And what we've been seeing lately is um, obviously the draft system doesn't really work well for soccer as it works for uh, basketball, baseball, and, uh, and, uh, and hockey. Um, do you do you guys think that the college system still serves an important value in the overall aspect of soccer, even though the fact, even though a lot of the kids that are being drafted are not are not necessarily making the MLS teams? Uh, um, shout out to my friend Patrick Seagrass, who actually just got drafted in Red Bulls. But uh, um, but uh, Coach Tom, do you think do you think it, it's we can do away with the draft until we make changes like the twenty first century model? So I, I think college soccer has a, a massive part in development of players. I think there are a lot of late bloomers. I think there are a lot of players that need more time to develop. And at, I mean, in Europe, you have to decide if you're going to go pro when you're 16. And, and you have a lot of guys that slip through the cracks because of that, because they, they aren't ready at that young age and they just need a little bit more time. And I think college soccer could be that perfect little avenue from youth to professional ranks just the just i think it, we're falling short with how the current season is set up and i think the 21st century model will definitely help that as for the draft i i don't i don't really know if there's a point to it to be honest like yeah. when you look at the supplemental draft there's teams that don't even take picks they just pass picks i think right. it would make more sense if players after college and obviously with the 21st century model, it's going to be, there's obviously there's going to be different challenges and because the MLS season will have already started. So how do a team, how do players then join teams and stuff like that? Those are just details that have to be worked out. But I think players after their college season should just become free agents. They can go on trials with teams. I don't mind if there's still combines, there should still be combines for high profile players, for MLS scouts to come watch players and USL scouts to watch players. Um, but as for the draft, I think it's kind of ridiculous how a team can claim your rights, but not sign, not have to sign you. And I, I don't think it's fair. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Uh, again, I thank you guys for joining me. I mean, we, again, we could, we could talk for, for more hours because there's so many things to say about this, but last question I asked, uh, 
I asked both of you. Um, the fact that I know both of you could obviously be coaching in other in different uh, institutions where they use sports, PDL, USL, and uh, you know, and all the other leagues. But you you both choose to to stay in the college system. I'm not saying forever, but you both made that conscious decision to stay in the college uh, in the college um, in college soccer. So I'll start with you, Coach Aiden. What do you like about coaching in the college, the college environment? What, what, what inspires you about it? Yeah, it's a connection to the student athlete. So you're in a, a big moment of a, of a person's life at, uh, you know, they're a big transitional phase of becoming who they're supposed to be for the rest of their life. Um, so for me, I, I enjoy being in the college, but I enjoy the connection, the relationships that are, that are built, um, the educational factor, teaching guys, you know, lessons that'll carry on outside of soccer. Um, so for me, I, that's a, a big part for it. And if we want to talk about the soccer aspect, I do enjoy the, the, the development we do get to do. Um, like we we're saying, the 21st century model would help. But uh, right now, it's, we still get our chance to, to work with guys and, and provide them different memories, different moments that'll have a, last a lifetime. Yeah. What about you, Coach Tom? I mean, for the same reasons that Aiden's involved, I'm fortunate enough where I'm also involved with the youth, uh, with the youth club team in the area. So I get to work with kids from nine to 18, um, as well as the college guys from 18 to 24. So I get the best of, of all worlds, really. I get to work with players of all ages and I like helping them along their path to try and reach their potential and uh, see who who they can be. Yeah, definitely, gentlemen. I thank you for your work. Uh, I I hope that uh, you guys stay safe during this uh, pandemic, and we can all go back to the field because I know I'm going crazy. Um, and uh, I appreciate you guys being a guest on uh, on the Var Booth podcast, and uh, wish you guys the best. Thanks, H. See ya. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Var Booth podcast. If you like this episode, please rate it. Subscribe to our podcast and comment your thoughts on the topic.